following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. I hope you've had a wonderful week. Uh, This week on Absurd Psychology, we are going to talk about abusive relationships. And I know this is a very serious topic, and I'm going to do a very strong deep dive into it. And all at the same time, which is not easy, try to keep a sense of humor. Um, You know, the subtitle of this is, you can cut off his balls, but it won't shut his mouth. So, uh, absurd psychology. Let's let's just get some uh, facts on absurd psychology. Uh, The average person tells four lies per day. Or 1,460 a year, a total of 87,600 by the age of 60. Can you imagine? That is really hard to maintain. 87,600 lies to maintain by the time you're 60. And the two most common lies are, I'm fine, and I love you. That's a very strange that's a very strange observation, but it is a fact. Spending money on others yields more happiness than spending money on yourself. And I think we all see that, and I'm sure the retailers love the idea of people spending during the holiday season. And that proves itself out uh, that people go crazy when they think they're buying things for other people that they will enjoy. Even if they don't enjoy it, they still think they enjoy it. <laughs> now as is spending money on experiences rather than things. So if you spend money on experiences, you're likely to spend more money there than you are on an actual object. And that's important because life is memories. And in memories, you you want to have as much experience in your life as possible to create those memories so that your life carries on beyond you. Through those memories, I doubt if the things we have and the money we have is going to last very long. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But bottom line is, these memories are what people recollect once we're gone. And and if we make our life about making memories, we're going to have a significant life. Now, here's a strange one. Romantic love is biochemically indistinguishable from having a severe obsessive compulsive disorder. Indistinguishable. Yikes. I actually personally understand that because I have obsessive compulsive features. If you take my vacuum away, I'm going to be really upset. (laughs) Now, here's another one. France is the most depressed country in the world. The diagnosis has been given in one to five of the population of France. One out of five in France. No wonder they like to eat so much. And their wine. 
Uh, 68% of people suffer from phantom vibration syndrome, the feeling that one's phone is vibrating when it's not. And I'm sure that number is going to increase over the years as we become so much more dependent on smartphones. Now, here's another one that's a very strange statistic. No one born blind has ever developed schizophrenia. Isn't that interesting? No one born blind has ever developed schizophrenia. That's a very interesting observation. Now, here we are. We're going to go straight into abuse and abuse in relationships. And uh, there's all kinds of abuse, and I think the one everyone's so familiar with is verbal abuse. Obviously, verbal abuse is the name-calling, uh, demeaning, uh, putting people down, making sure that we uh, basically try to make them feel as bad as possible. Verbal abuse is about trying to control somebody through using very strong language to define them so that they have to defend themselves. Because when people defend themselves, they're not thinking constructively. They're either going to observe something about you that's wrong or they're going to take it in and start analyzing themselves as a very negative person with a lot of negative energy. And so verbal abuse can really tear an, uh, a very important, well-thinking, educated, loving, compassionate person into an absolute monster because this other person tries so hard to define them. Also, physical abuse. Now, physical abuse um, is any abuse that causes physical injury, bruises, cuts, broken bones, biting, choking, throwing. Physical abuse is the most easily recognizable form of abuse. And if you talk to CPS, they frequently are looking for uh, physical marks on a child. So those of you that think spanking is cool, which it's not, because if you were a well-thought-out person, you would figure out better ways to discipline your children than scaring the living life out of them so that they don't really respect you later on or have a lot of fear for you as a parent. The last thing you want is your child to be afraid of you. But the bottom line is, is many parents turn to physical abuse of their children. First of all, if you're going to spank, don't spank for you getting it out on the child and taking your anger out on the child. If you're going to spank, do it to teach. And spanking should be done as a delay before you actually spank. And that means some time needs to pass. So the child can think about what's going on and them getting a spanking. There, there may be a negotiation period. There may be a conclusion that doesn't resolve in spanking. But if you spank immediately, you're doing it out of anger, and that's abuse. You cannot uh, also hit a child with an object. And I would never recommend spanking beyond, I would say, six or seven years old if you're going to spank. And, boy, if you're going to spank a kid that's up to six years old, there's going to be bruises. So, you know, it's just you got to think twice about that. And if you need counseling, get counseling and let somebody teach you how to discipline your children. Emotional abuse is one of the most difficult forms of abuse to identify. But wait, before I talk about emotional abuse, I do want to say one more thing about physical. Physical abuse is also one of the most uh, popular, the most, uh, I wouldn't say popular, but it's, it's the heaviest uh, of all the abuses that gets carried over into a marriage. A child that witnesses or actually becomes a part of uh, physical abuse is more likely to hit their spouse, hit their children, and hit other people. They're most likely to be very, very frustrated and have a lot of anger. So physical abuse carries over historically 
uh, generation after generation when people witness it. Now, emotional abuse is one of the most difficult forms. Emotional abuse can be caused, you know, just as much as, as, plain, as pain as physical abuse, and it has much longer effects. And emotional abuse is basically trying to tell a person, you make me feel, you make me feel, you make me feel this, you make me feel that. Well, let me tell you something. You make up your own mind how you feel. No one dictates how you feel. So people that project emotional abuse on another person is just ridiculous. Another form of emotional abuse is denying or taking things away from someone uh, because they've hurt you. Um, you know, you may take a, a person's uh, car keys or you may, you know, uh, uh, cause them, you know, a lot of uh, anxiety by saying, I'm going to call your boss or do something like that. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that people can abuse you emotionally and put you through a lot of stress. And stress is a horrible thing to carry. Now, another thing is, is neglect. Um, this is pretty much the most overlooked form of abuse. Uh, you know, neglect occurs when basic life necessities are not met, such as those related to housing, clothing, food, hygiene, a place to sleep, and emotional support. When people don't get those things, food, clothing, hygiene, they basically are called failure to thrive. And those kind of people will pass that on generationally after generation. If you look at the Great Depression, it took many, 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 many years, it still exists, um, that people hoard. And that is simply because they've learned it from their family. And that was developed pretty much uh, throughout the centuries. But in the Great Depression, people were forced to hoard. And therefore, they continue to do that to this day. Now, self-abuse. As the name implies, self-abuse is when an individual inflicts pain or suffering to their own person, to themselves. This is usually the result of an underlying condition and is not usually included when people talk about someone who is abusive. So it's not even identified as someone who is abusive. But there are people who self-defeat, who actually hurt themselves, who actually cause pain to themselves to get attention. And that is because they need that attention, they yearn for it, and they are dying to get someone to love them and share that. Now, here's some characteristics of abusers, and we'll go through this fairly quickly because there's a lot of them. And um, they, first of all, abuse where it is safe and away from a place like work. They keep track of what you are doing all the time. They criticize you for little things, constantly accusing of being unfaithful. They prevent or discourage them. Once again, not all of these are going to define a certain abuser you know. These are symptoms that vary amongst different people. They prevent or discourage you from seeing friends or family or going to work or school. They get angry when drinking alcohol or using drugs, and usually they're abusers. They all love to control the money. They love to humiliate. They love to destroy property, especially things you care about. They threaten to hurt you or the children or pets or do cause hurt by hitting, punching, slapping, kicking, and biting. This is something these kind of folks do. They use threats to, to uh, use a weapon against you sometimes. They force you to have sex against your will. They blame you for his or her violent outbursts. They're excessively jealous at the beginning of a relationship. Abusers may claim that jealousy is a sign of their love. But jealousy has nothing to do with love. Faith 
has everything to do with love. Having faith in your partner, that is the result of trust. That is the bridge to trust. They love to isolate people, the victim. They may try to cut you off from your social supports, accuse people who act as your support system as troublemakers. They have a poor self-image and are very, very insecure. You wouldn't think so by the way they act. They think they're God's gift to humanity. But the truth is, they are very insecure little people. And likely when we talk about memories, they're not going to carry a lot of great memories ahead in their life. These are very small people. They love to blame other people for their own problems. They love to blame others for their own feelings. And they're very manipulative. You know, abusive people will often say, you make me mad. You're hurting me by not doing what I ask. I can't help being angry. Yes, they can. They can. They have to take responsibility. And that it was something we're going to talk about later. They're cruel to animals. They're cruel to children. They have a fascination with weapons. They may think it's okay to solve conflicts with violence. And they often make lots of threats. They often use verbal threats such as, I'll slap your mouth off, I'll kill you, I'll break your neck. Abusers may try to excuse this behavior by saying, everybody talks like that, that's bullshit. Everybody doesn't talk like that, abusers talk like that. And if you hear somebody saying that, I'll slap your mouth off, I'll kill you, that should tell you that they have the propensity to actually be an abuser. They may hold rigid, stereotypical views of men and women. This person lives in a black and white world. You're either all good or you're all evil. There is no in between. And now, if you understand the Fifty Shades of Grey, there's gray in life. Life is gray. Now, I'm not condoning the book, but it is kind of an interesting book when we went into the sex segment that I did a while back. <laughs> so, Anyway, uh, they may see women as inferior. They love to label people. They love to label cultures. They love to label people as stupid. They lay, love to, to uh, label someone as, uh, you know, unable to uh, be a whole person if they're not in a relationship. These people feel empty if they don't have someone to control. They act out instead of uh, expressing themselves verbally. They're quick to become involved in relationships. Many battered women, women dated or knew their abuser for less than six months before they're engaged or they live together. Isn't that amazing? They also may use playful force during sex, and that's how they excuse it. It's playful. Or they may want to act out sexual fantasies in which the victim is helpless. you got to watch out for these creepos. They may say things that are intentionally cruel, or hurtful in order to degradate, humiliate, or run down a person's accomplishments. They tend to be moody and unpredictable. They may be nice one minute. It's like a bipolar. They're nice one minute, and then the next thing you know, they're blowing up, and you don't even know why. Um, explosiveness and mood swings are typical of men who beat their partners. And they may have a history of battering. The abuser may admit to hitting others in the past, but will claim the victim asked for it. Of course, they're not responsible. An abuser will beat any woman, man they are with. Situational circumstances do not make a person abusive. Situational circumstances do not make a person abusive. That means that a person may get into a fight. That person may get into something, and it is situational. It's not a life pattern. When we're talking about abusers, we're talking about a life pattern, and that's that's what they, they often have seen in their childhood. Many of them 
have lots of deep and dark secrets that they would never, ever want a person to know. The, the truth is, is they live in their ego. They want people to see them a certain way. And the sad part is these abusive people put on a show. So like at work, you think they may be the most wonderful person in the world. They come home and they turn into a raging monster. And this is something you've got to understand is in the human dynamic that our ego will develop a persona that people will accept under conditions like work, like school, like social functions. You may think they're the most wonderful person in the world, but you get home and have to deal with them. Suddenly they let their guard down and they start blasting and they blast everybody. And it's sad. And abusers often love a performance and from their children. And this is where children tend to carry these patterns on and move it on into their life and their relationships. So the legacy of abuse, and I should tell you that term is extremely important when you're talking about abuse. The legacy of abuse is passing on the pattern from one generation to the next. One abuser is not just an abuser in this lifetime. They have created victims across hundreds of years in families, hundreds of thousands of years, quite possibly, in families. I mean, we have not been the most social, socially kind people, uh, except for today, in this day and age, we're kind of forced to be a little bit more polite because we have to show value in who we are because we have so much technology. That doesn't mean our manners are any better. But the bottom line is, is that a lot of people put on a lot of shows. If anybody has ever dated, and we did a show on dating last week, if anybody's ever dated, you know that the person you saw on the internet may not have been the person you ended up seeing in person. You just can't gauge a person until you actually see them, and sometimes all it is is a performance. So once again, this is a very important topic we're going to uh, move on into the warning signs of potential violence. And I will tell you, this is called metacommunication, nonverbal. A lot of this is important for you to understand because when you see these signs, this means that person's just about ready to blow and could be very, very dangerous. If you want to avoid abuse, the best thing you could possibly do is have a strategy. And we'll go into that a little bit later. We're going to take a break. I hope you all come back. I know this is a heavy topic, but it's a necessary topic, and we're going to cover it, and we're going to do a good job of it. So I hope you come back. Thank you. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back. Hey, I want to say something that's very important. You know, abuse goes across all types of relationships. It goes across homosexual relationships, bisexual relationships, uh, uh, regular relationships, man-woman, woman-woman. I mean, it goes across the board. It's not just and, – and by the way, when we talk about abuse, people tend to affiliate abuse with, with a man. But I will tell you that it goes both ways. I've done counseling for so many years, you know, 15 years now, and I can tell you that I've seen as many women abusing their husband as I have seen husbands abusing their wives. And I've also seen uh, gay couples who have gotten into some very difficult situations with each other through abuse – um, it's just latent in relationships. People do not have to know how to communicate. And uh, communication is key. It's a big thing. And once you work on communication, you can solve a whole lot of problems having to do with abuse. So here's, here's, a, here's a little tip about how to spot an asshole. How to spot an asshole. Well, an asshole usually ignores you when you text or call. And... Uh, what you want to watch out for is their communication habits. How do they communicate? If they don't know how to communicate, don't get in a relationship with them. You're just going to sit around wondering where they're at and what they're doing. If they're that that into themselves, that's a good sign that's a no-go. They're cheaters. If you've known a person to be a cheater, the last thing you want to do is get into a relationship, even a friendship with the person, because you've got to watch out for their ethics and their selfishness level. They're not going to make good friends, certainly not good family members. They've got issues, and they need to work it out, and hopefully not on you. Terrible conflict management skills. You want to watch out for their temperament. And also, if they have no manners or no sense of romance, that's an asshole. No manners, no sense of romance. You want to watch whether they care about little things. Do they care about listening to something that is important to someone and actually acknowledging it and actually making sure that that person is nurtured in that way? If they really want to show love, they need to understand the little things. That's what makes people tick. Also, if they're hot and cold, if they're up and down in their temperament, What you want to watch out for is consistency. Is this person a consistent person the day after day, through the day, or are they moody and foul-tempered? Are they up and down? If they're up and down, I'm going to tell you, man, that's a high-maintenance person. Run for the freaking hills. If you can get away from that, you're going to save a lot of stress on your life. Also, if they're lazy, if they're lazy, what you want to look at is, first of all, if they make a living... Look at how they make a living and see how hard they work. If they don't work hard at their job, I can tell you they are lazy in their life. That is a good sign that that person is not a person to be with. That is an asshole. Life is just a mess for these people. 
you have to look at how they handle their career. If they've been stuck in the same job over and over for years and years and years, that's a good sign that they're, they're stuck in their life. Also, if they care more about their job than you, if they put their job out there as the most important thing, then you know that person is out of balance. And if they're out of balance, you're not going to fit in the picture. If they've already picked out their passion, which is their job, and they don't fit other people into their life, there's no balance and there's no relationship. That's a high-maintenance individual, and that's an asshole. If they drink alcohol way too much, you want to watch to see if they know how to restrain themselves. Do they know how to stop at one, stop at two? Do they know when it's appropriate to drink and when it's not appropriate to drink? Also, these people who are not ready to commit, you know, they just want to hang out, they just want to be friends with benefits, that's an asshole. That is one. And what you want to watch out for is momentum and what their momentum is working towards, and it's usually their own selfish interests. There also is these people who need attention, and that is insecurity. And if they're insecure, they're high-maintenance assholes. Also, if they're cheap, cheap people are assholes. Watch for their generosity level. That is important. These are ways to gauge if a person is an asshole. If you can figure that out, you can have a much better life. Okay, now, here's warning signs of potential violence. And I was talking to you about these nonverbal signs. Pacing the floor. If the abuser is pacing the floor, there's a good sign the volcano is about to go. Also, clenching and unclenching their fists. That is a sign that they are ready to blow. Somebody's in danger. Clear the air. Clear the room. Do not argue with them. Do not accelerate things. Disengage and move to safety. Also, glaring. If their facial expression is that of a person that glares, then you know that something's going to happen. Also, if they keep shouting and yelling, even if you're not, that's a good sign this person is worked up and they're moving themselves towards blowing. These are signs of danger. These aren't just signs of an abuser. They're signs of danger. Bad things happen under these circumstances. Crimes for thousands of years have taken place just because people ignored these conditions. So you want to always be conscious of your own safety needs in all interactions involving an abusive person. Do not meet privately with a violence-prone individual. If you must do so, be sure someone is available close by in case you need help. You always want to be surrounded when you're with an abuser so that somebody can assist you. And always have an exit strategy. And that means that you've made deals with people. You've, told, you've tucked money away. You've got vital resources to live that he doesn't, he or she doesn't know about. Money, food, transportation, shelter, a place to go, a person that will help you. You need to have all that lined up. And it may be a homeless shelter. Um, you know, it may be a center for, you know, battered women or, or a homeless shelter for men. But that is a better alternative than dying or being abused or having your children watch you be abused. All right. Now, why do people stay in abusive relationships? The number one thing that I see in counseling is they have conflicting emotions. They, they want to stay, but they want to go. And here's the deal. If you look at the cycle of abuse, what the abuser generally does is they abuse and then they come to the honeymoon and they come back I'm so sorry I never did this do this again I respect you I love you blah 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 and all of a sudden 
the other person feels like they're cherished and their heart is beating and they're fluttering and they're going, oh my God, why can't you be like this all the time? And suddenly there's a honeymoon phase, sex, love, glory. Oh, it's just a wonderful time. And then all of a sudden they start taking each other for granted, getting back in that old pattern. And as it works its way there, the abuser builds up steam, finds ways to not like you, finds ways to demean you, finds ways to build up into the abuse. And sometimes even the victim, who is 50% responsible for being with an abuser, the victim actually creates the opportunity sometimes for the abuser to abuse. And basically that's so they can get back in that honeymoon. If I could get through the abuse, I'll go back into the honeymoon phase and they'll be good again and maybe it'll last a lifetime. I mean, they, they buy their own crap. They blow smoke up their own butts. Also, people stay in abusive relationships out of fear. Fear. P- you know, people may be afraid of what will happen if they decide to leave a relationship. If they've been threatened by their partner, family, friends. They may not feel safe leaving. And so they live in fear. Well, here's the deal. When faith enters, fear leaves. When fear enters, faith leaves. And I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about having faith. If you're going to live in fear, you're going to drive your car like Granny Grunt. You're never going to leave your house. You're going to make lots of reasons not to make decisions. You're going to live a very suppressed and depressed life, and that is living in fear. Life is a faith-based venture. You make choices. You have faith that they're going to work out. If you set a vacation, you have faith that that's going to be a great vacation. You do everything you can to make it great. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Also, people believe abuse is normal sometimes. Isn't that shocking? They don't know what a healthy relationship looks like because they've been in abuse for so long. And they grew up in an environment where abuse was common, so they may not recognize that their relationship is actually unhealthy. Also, some people fear being outed. They're in a, let's say, a a same-sex relationship, and they've not come out to everyone. Their partner may threaten to reveal the secret. And uh, so secrets can be used as a way to keep a person in the relationship. If you do this, I'm going to tell them what we did in the bedroom. I'm going to tell them what our sex life is like. I'm going to tell them what you really like. And I'm going to embarrass you, and I'm going to show you, show everyone what kind of person you really are. Being outed may feel especially scary for young people who are just beginning to explore their sexuality. A lot of young people stay because they've done things sexual or they've done things that have uh, compromised themselves and they don't want anybody to know. Also, embarrassment. You know, it's, it, it, by the way, if, if you're going to overcome the fear, you just need to talk about it and talk about it openly. And if you do, you're not going to have anything to fear. You're going to realize that there's a lot of people out there that love you and care about you and don't want to see you get hurt. The reactions that you predict are not going to be humiliating they're going to be more about protecting you. Embarrassment. You know, it's hard to admit they've been abused. You know, they may feel like they've done something wrong, you know, and they have. If a person is going to stay as a victim in an abusive relationship, that's stupid. I mean, it really, come on now. You, you, if you're going to stop the cycle of abuse, you have to be willing to walk away. And I'll tell you this, folks. If you want to look at a 50-year marriage, a 50-year marriage is like this. And People think that they're always lovey-dovey because you see it on television, and many times they are. But here's the deal. They're willing to set boundaries with each other. If, you know, if you're going to flirt with the girl down the street, then there's the door. I am not going to put up with that. You're not going to do this to me. 
And that is important. That's how people protect their relationship. It is your job to protect your relationship from the things that your partner does to destroy them. Very important to understand that. Your job is to protect the relationship. You're not doing it to protect your ego. You're doing it to bring out the better part of the other person and to protect what you guys have created. You know, low self-esteem. You know, if their partner, and then once again, this is why people stay in relationships. Their, current, their partner puts them down, blames them for the abuse, and it can be easy for them to believe these statements and think that the, the abuse is their fault. Many people take responsibility. Now, here's the other one that is completely ridiculous. And people tell me this on a constant basis. But I love her. But I love him. Well, they keep hoping their abuser is going to change. But if you think about it, if a person you love tells you they'll change, you want to believe them. They may only want the violence to stop, not for the relationship to end. But the deal is, you know, love does not maintain a relationship. Trust maintains a relationship. You can love someone and not trust them. When you trust someone, love follows. So in a relationship, you nurture trust and you will have love, as much love in abundance as you could possibly imagine. Here's another reason people stay. Pressure, you know, social and peer pressure. If the abuser is a popular person, it can be hard for a person to tell their friends for fear that no one will believe them or that everyone will take the abuser's side. Usually abusers are great performers. Some people can see through them. And that's, you know, people that have a lot of good intuition. But the deal is, many of these people are across all cultural, all economic barriers. This is not in any certain place. Abuse happens across the board. And uh, sometimes the, the most respected leaders in the world are actually total jerks behind doors. Cultural and religious reasons. Now, this really breaks my heart because a lot of people will stay in a marriage an abusive relationship because they've took, taken vows. And, uh, you know, traditional gender roles can make it difficult for, for young men, young women to admit being sexually active, uh, for, for young men to, to admit they've been abused, for a young man to say he's been abused by a woman, that can be extremely humiliating and a reason why someone would actually stay in the relationship. They don't want people to actually see that they were abused by a woman. Also, their culture religion may influence them to stay rather than end the relationship for fear of being shame, having shame on their family. You know, that, that's so sad. In this day and age, life is so short, and there is forgiveness in this world in all religions. And I know, I know the breaking up of an abusive relationship is a much healthier path for your children and your life than anything else. And it's so important to, to find a way through that religious barrier if you're in an abusive relationship. It's teaching so many of the wrong things. Your children will never fit in society as we evolve into a much tamer uh, human race they're not going to evolve very well if they're going to abuse. And if you're teaching abuse, that is the wrong thing to do if you're going to have children in this world. So the cultural and the religious barrier, you're going to have to work your way through that. Now, there is ways to repair these relationships, but we have to integrate new ways of talking and new ways of communicating with each other. So I'm not saying just get a divorce or break up. What I am saying is let's find a solution 
and actually do it. Don't fake it. Actually do it. Okay. Pregnancy and parenting. You know, I stay in the relationship because of my kids. Well, I got pregnant and I don't have any way to take care of my child. These are reasons that people stay in abusive relationships and abusive partners, of course, are going to threaten to take children away or babies away. Yes, yes, they're going to do that. They're going to threaten to take the children or take the baby away and fight in court, and that's disgusting. If people could just work it out and do what adults do and actually communicate to each other in an adult way, things can be solved. All right. The, the other reasons is, is uh, distrust of authority. They've got the puppy love phenomenon, distrust of police. Some people don't believe the police are going to help them. Also, you know, language barriers and immigration status. Here in California, I live in Southern California, there's a lot of people from all kinds of cultures that don't speak English. And they don't believe they can communicate in a way that they can protect themselves. And this is important. Also, <clears throat> lack of money, nowhere to go. And if the, the biggest segment of our society are actually people that have disabilities. People that have disabilities are on a continuous basis are abused very, very often. And it's so sad to say that. And it's so sad to understand it. But abusive take people, or, excuse me, disabled people take a lot of energy and a lot of patience and a lot of time from many people, especially children. Um, it can be very frustrating. But the deal is if you are an abuser and abuse a disabled child or a disabled elderly person or a disabled person, get help. Get help and try to get someone to help you help them. Stop trying to do everything and control their life. That disabled person is in a prison, and the prison is worse than their disability. It's you. If you are the provider for someone like that and abuse, get help. Okay, now we're going to go into uh, how abusers are developed, and we're going to go into how we can help ourselves and get out of this cycle. So I hope that you all are getting some good knowledge on abuse. I'm sorry it's such a difficult topic. It's such a, a dry topic, but it's so important. And I'm sure a lot of you are tuning in and actually recognizing some signs that you may know somebody or be in a relationship with somebody that's not treating you right. Now what we're going to talk about is how to solve it. So come back. Thank you so much for listening. Come right back. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. 
Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back. Thank you for listening. I just want to say I do love to take phone calls. I realize that on the Internet a lot of folks are listening to it as a podcast. They're listening to it after it's been um, performed, after, after I've been on the show. But the deal is if you're listening live and you have the time or the desire I would love for you to call in and interact on these issues. It's always interesting. Um, I know when I do live radio, I end up uh, getting hundreds of phone calls of uh, interesting people with this tr- interesting issues, and I love to, to do that. So here we go. Um, abusers are usually abused. They are somebody who has had significant family dysfunction of one sort or another, and they're almost always present in the backgrounds of, of repetitive abusers. Repetitive abusers usually have witnessed abuse of all kinds. And they just take that and they never grow beyond it. They use those coping skills that they saw their adults use and they use that in their own lives because they don't know any better and they've never been taught. And you know, quite frankly, school is not going to teach you that. Life may teach you that, but the deal is you actually have to learn how to not use your children's your child coping skills in adult life. And many times what gets adults in great trouble is the fact that they never learn how to cope with being an adult as an adult. They learn to live as a child in an adult's body. Now, these dysfunctional patterns often do not stop when they grow up. They continue in a modified form as long as the involved parents are still living. That means that as long as they're together and as long as they're working together and if they never change their coping skills, it's just going to fester and grow and grow and grow. And here's the deal. A lot of people are so silly. They go to their own family to get advice on what to do with their their family, their relationship, and they're going to get advice from people that grew up in a system that was broken and there was abuse, and, and this is, I'm talking about people that grow up in an abusive family. They're going to get the advice from that perspective, and that's crazy. You don't want to ask your family what to do. You want to ask people that are outside of the problem and don't know you that can give you a global view of what your issues are, and hopefully it's professional help like a therapist. The vast majority of abusers have either been abused we're unsafe as children, and that's huge. Unsafe as children, meaning mom and dad did not watch me. I fell down. I got in a lot of trouble. I did bad things. I hurt myself, and that's because they were never around. Usually, many of them were not cared for or loved as they needed to feel loved. The, their parents didn't take the time to love them and nurture them 
as the person they are. You know, many people for centuries looked at children as a commodity, that their opinion didn't matter, that their growth as an individual didn't matter, that who they were as a person was not important. But we're not in that day and age. We thrive on our character. So when we're raising these young children, we're raising characters, people, kids with values, kids who who we understand. We're raising people that we can hopefully get along with later on in life and not have a lot of embarrassing bad memories. You know, many abusers have addictions like drugs, alcohol, sex, and they have a lot of secrets. They do not love themselves and therefore they can't love other people because they don't know how to love themselves. Some have experienced trauma. Some have learned to disrespectfully categorize, like I said earlier, other people. Now here is how a victim can help themselves. First of all, victims are famous for not taking responsibility. And the deal is, if you're a victim, you have to take responsibility that you are contributing to the growth of this abusive monster that you're living with. You have played a role in setting up the relationship in this way. You've accepted it. You've allowed it. You haven't put boundaries down. And you also must take responsibility for making a role in this relationship where you change it. Telling your partner that treatment is unacceptable is not enough. It's not enough to challenge them and say, how could you do this to me? I can't believe you did this to me. I can't talk to you today. I'm not going to talk to you. I, that's not going to solve it. Your actions speak louder than your words. So you need to make two bold moves. Two bold moves. And here is where things start to change. Change your own routine or behavior and tell your partner you will no longer take the abuse. That means that if you have to leave, leave. If you have to get a job, get a job. If you have to find a different place to live, find a different place to live. Mean business. If you don't mean business, that abuser will continue to know you're trapped. You're going to accept them. They may apologize. They may give the honeymoon phase. But the deal is they're not going to be able to deliver on a consistent basis. You have to change yourself before the abuser will change. If you want abuse to stop so bad, you need to be the one that steps out and actually does it. And it may be at the cost of making your children live at your mom's house with one bedroom and whatever, but you need to find a way. You've got to find a way through it. You know, Dr. Phil, he's a wonderful guy. I've talked to him. I've had a couple clients actually on his show, which is pretty interesting. He's a really nice guy, by the way. Um, he refers to a saying, there are no victims, only volunteers. Don't go along to get along. Peace at any price is no peace at all. And that's Dr. Phil. And, and I believe that. I mean, he's written and talked about this in so many shows in so many ways. And uh, he's, he's, uh, he's right on here. No victims. Volunteers. We are not victims in abusive relationships. We are volunteering to stay. Relationships are always up for renegotiation. Love and committed relationships, especially marriage, is conditional love. If you want unconditional love, that is likely, if you're a good parent, to take place with your children. But unconditional love is a contract. 
And when people make a contract with each other that they're going to be together and they take vows and they, and they sign a, 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 a decree of marriage and then they have to go get an attorney to get divorced, they're negotiating a contract. Contract is conditional love. So you are always in renegotiation throughout an entire relationship, especially as your dynamics change, your finances change, your jobs change, um, your children you know, change their situations, all of that is always up for renegotiation. So you need to sit down with your partner. You need to have good communication skills. You need to look them in the eye and tell them that you're taking a stand. You will not stay in the relationship if the abuse continues. From there, begin to negotiate. If they don't want to negotiate, you have your answer. They're going to stay as an abuser. Figure out how both of you can take strides to make the marriage work. If they want to make the marriage work, they need to buy in. Watch yourself to make sure you don't fall back into that victim role. And that's what a lot of people tend to do in this abusive relationship situation. I can't tell you how many clients that I've seen that have lost, uh, left a, an abusive relationship and literally their health changes, their, their mindset changes, their accomplishments get so much greater, their energy level is so much higher, their diet is better. Everything about their life becomes healthier because they've cut ties with that crappy abuser. Now, how can an abuser stop themselves? Admit it. Admit you're an abuser. Give yourself a clear understanding to public, to the public, I'm an abuser. That's where you start. The next thing is you want to stop the legacy. You don't want to stop being an abuser just for you. You want to do it for your kids, your family, and all your grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren beyond that. You do not want your behaviors to be seen as you're an old person and watch your kids and your grandkids doing the same thing you do to their children. You, you just don't want to be in that choice, in that situation. Remember, violence is always a choice. No excuses and no one else to blame for being abusive. There is no excuses for violence. Focus on how your abuse affects your partner, family, and children. Fully accept how seriously you have hurt and how much you care about them. You must fully admit, not just admit, but act on it. And that calls for empathy and compassion. Accept the consequences of your action. Your partner has the right to get help from the police or the courts. They may face legal consequences for being abuse. You may, excuse me, uh, face legal consequences for being abusive, either in jail time or restraining order. But you need to take accountability. And if that's what happens, you brought that on. You invited the cops. You brought it on. You get to go to jail. Remember, you're not alone. Your friends and family can support you through change and get help get help from a program that focuses on abusive relationships a good program will help you stop being abusive and create a better relationship for you and your partner also you want to respect your partner's right to be safe and healthy as you work towards change even if it means you can't do it together you may have to do it as a divorced couple dealing with your children but you want to be civil you know, and because change is hard, there may be times when you may actually justify your actions or feel like giving up. But remember your original commitment to change and you'll be more likely to succeed. That is incredibly important if an abuser wants to change. Now, here's the signs that a person has changed. Now, uh, 
They're willing to wait however long it takes for their partner's trust to be rebuilt. They don't pressure to forgive or to reconcile. They just let it be. They let things heal and they don't force it on their partner or their children. They do not say or do things that threaten or frighten their partner. They listen to and respect their partner's opinion, even if they disagree. This is signs that a person has changed. They also respect no. And they do not get in the way of friends and family being with their partner. They also have to be willing to do counseling and take responsibility for their actions, not blame their partner. And they may be kind and attentive instead of demanding and controlling. These are ways you can tell that a person is changing from an abusive person. Also, uh, when they become uh, frustrated or angry, angry, they don't take it out on the spouse or their children. These are huge signs. And also, they don't have an attitude of, of entitlement or superiority, and they talk about the tactics they used to use in maintaining control as if it's behind them. They actually communicate to how they used to react and, and, and actually acknowledge it. And also they want to make amends, and that's huge. Now, here's a sign that they haven't changed. Um, they blame the, a partner or others for their behavior. They use guilt to manipulate. They do not faithfully attend their treatment. They pressure the partner to let them move back or do what they want. They won't admit that they were abusive. They convince others that it is the partner who is either abusive or crazy. They demand to know their partner is where they are and who they're with. And they use the partner's behavior as an excuse to treat them badly. They also continue to use sarcasm, verbal abuse, talk over their partner, and show disrespect and superiority. This means they have not changed. They do not respond well to complaints or criticism. And they undermine their partner's authority as a parent or a partner's credibility as a person. This is huge. Now, they also have a mindset about women and men that has not changed. And it's usually, once again, a black and white view. They criticize their partner for not really realizing how much they've changed and how much they've sacrificed. Once again, they make themselves into a victim. This is a sign an abuser has not changed. Now, uh, completion of a batter's intervention program class by a man or a woman does not mean their victim is safe or that they can stop being abusive. So just because they've finished something that they've committed to to show that they're no longer going to be abusive doesn't mean that they've actually changed. People do lots of things, lots of classes, lots of things on paper that don't mean anything at all. And so we want to be very cautious with somebody. We want to look at the number one thing, and that is consistently respectful, thoughtful, compassionate, and empathetic behavior coming from an abuser. If that starts to come through and stays consistent, then what you have is somebody that is changing, and we can all change. Change is life. Change happens on a continuous basis, and that's something that we all want to embrace. So that's our show. Next Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, we're going to do Midlife Crisis. Watch Delusional Fat Elvis live. 
<laughs> I still haven't got the subtitle, but that's the subtitle I'm working with. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Love to hear from you. Get your feedback. DRGBMFT at SBCGlobal.net. Twitter at DRGBMFT. Remember, when you are not dead, you don't remember that you are dead. It is difficult only for others, just like being stupid. If someone hates you for no reason, then for God's sake, give the asshole a reason. That's the show. Thanks for listening. Uh, Once again, next week is Midlife Crisis. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. We'll be right back.